0: New and approved, the home of new and international music here on Sin.
1: You are listening to Sin, and uh, we are ever so thankful to be joined by Kay Flay, all the way from the United States. Christine,
0: thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, congratulations, of course, on the release of your new record. Came out last week. Solutions. How's the reception been since it's been released?
2: You know, it's been it's been really great. I think this record came about in a very natural and authentic way and came together really quickly and all the pretty much all the collaborators or the majority of them were people I already knew so it felt like a real like family affair and for me I've just been in such a positive headspace this last year having a chance to like get off the road and record that yeah it's like a labor of love and I I feel like I hope that shines through (laughs) and on the record
1: I've looked at some feedback online, and so far everyone seems to be loving it. It's really glowing. That must just be an incredible feeling, like with how much work you've put in.
2: Yeah, it's it's a really nice feeling. I mean, I think, you know, of course the danger is to is to rest like your happiness on how other people perceive what you do. Sure. Though that being said, it's, it's really nice when people respond positively. But I, um, yeah, I felt like, uh, I sort of feel like no matter what... Being authentic and genuine to myself—that's always gonna. It's always gonna bring about good things and be positive, even if that's like a circuitous path and doesn't make sense in the moment. That's kind of like the spirit guiding everything.
0: Awesome. Nice. So, what uh, most personally excites you about solutions? And were there any sort of nerves before you released the record last week?
2: Well, I think what's exciting to me is that it's to me it's like the riskiest record i've put out because it's it's kind of ha- like happy and hopeful or at least my version of happy and hopeful and i feel like you know there's sort of the default in especially in music and in in the creative world to be like you know all black the world sucks like cynical i'm you know whatever and i think that kind of like negativity is it's easy to to get into that headspace and it feels weirdly safe and to me you know, smiling and like wearing colors and there's like a vulnerability in that. And I think I felt a little bit nervous to put out a record that felt sort of intentionally hopeful. And that really was my intention as I wrote it. That's how I was feeling. And it just felt like we're in this. I mean, the world's always going through various upheavals and and terrible and wonderful things at the same time. But... It does feel like, especially in the U.S. at the moment, very, very dark times. (laughs) And I just wasn't sure. I personally even wanted to make music that felt super dark in, in an already kind of bleak landscape.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, of course, your debut record, uh, Life as a Dog, in 2014, up to now your record in 2019. How was the writing process towards this record so far? And how has it, uh, I guess, progressed to, I uh, might make a very crap joke here, but solutions?
2: <laughs> um, no, crap jokes appreciated. Uh, well, I think I think first and foremost, I've become a more disciplined writer, I think. And I think that takes time no matter what, what you write, or what your medium is. Um, you just develop a way of knowing when something needs to be revised and when something should just be let to breathe and it should just exist as it is. Um, and I think that there's like, everyone has their kind of compass North for that, but it takes time to develop. I don't know if there's besides like some, you know, preternatural genius or something, which I am not, it takes the rest of us some time to do that. So I think that for me feels like the big jump is sort of really cohesive songs um and uh, diversity of subject matter i feel like on life as a dog i didn't and which which is okay i don't think i fully achieved that and i feel like i've i've grown in that capacity um which is yeah, which is like an exciting feeling. It's it's nice to feel like you have sort of a self-understanding and awareness as a writer.
1: Uh, one thing many fans have identified is just sheer honesty in your lyrics. Was there ever a time where you thought maybe a bit of fiction you'd write about, <laughs> or would that just be cheating your fans and yourself?
2: Well, you know, I think everyone has... Uh, songwriters, in my experience, have sort of different takes on this. I've never felt inspired by a story that wasn't connected to my own in terms of really being able to write and having the urgency I've found just anecdotally with my my own process that urgency creates good songs and songs that resonate with people um, and urgency doesn't mean like the minute an experience happens you need to feel like you, you have to write about it but the, when you sit down to begin something, It it feels imperative that it must that it get finished um, and that the song come to life. And, um, you know, for me, that's just like fictional tales. Don't you know, don't create that. And I think, you know, again, getting back to sort of at the end of the day, you're the person who's made this thing and you have to stand behind it In, in a strange way. I think being very honest makes that simpler. Because there's sort of no explanation necessary, and so long as you're willing to to be vulnerable in that way, it, it kind of yeah. I feel like honesty's just just. Simpler,
0: yeah, yeah it, it does. It would make life so much easier. Now, usually Australia is the last place that international artists come to tour. Pretty much anything. Uh, so, how does it? So, thank you, of course, for coming in uh, to seeing us first, because you were back here in two thousand and seventeen for Groovin and the Moo. And because of that festival being uh, the places into rural areas, how much more of rural? You've probably seen more of rural Australia than you would have maybe actually in the cities.
2: Well, we actually. You know, we had we were joking about this. We were in Australia for like a month. We were here for a long time. Yeah, um, it's like just you know, as you as you say, for like artists who are not from here. It's just rare to have that opportunity in any country. Yeah,
0: it sounds like you've seen more regional more of a regional Australia than you actually have of
2: cities. Well, we so we spent we actually had about a week of promo in Sydney and a week of promo in Melbourne. Um and then we did a bunch of side shows. So we I feel like we got a pretty good mix of kind of urban and regional uh towns and cities here in Australia, but yeah, it's it's been really um it's been really cool. I've I didn't realize how much space there was in this country. There's a lot of you M- more know, there's, than you think. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's it's like the US is is also large, but there's a lot of people, mm. even in like the weird nowhere spaces. And here it's like truly nobody in that, <laughs> that space. So.
1: so on this current tour, you're doing a lot of intimate club shows as well? So you're playing at the Howlett tonight? Yeah. It, it's sold out. Have to mention that, yeah. uh, but how does it differentiate an intimate club show between a festival? Is there one you prefer?
2: Well, I like them both for different reasons. I think I think club shows. I mean, to me, like an intimate club show is both scarier and more rewarding. Not to sound cheesy with that, but like you know, you are looking into people's eyes. And you're touching people and everyone's, like, sweating. And, like, it there's no anonymity in that environment. And I think that as a performer, that can be terrifying because if you screw up or if you're weird or if you're feeling nervous, like, it's it's in your face. You're making eye contact with the reason you're nervous. And that can be sort of distressing or anxiety-producing yeah. um, yep. as you're up there. But by the same token, you're also getting to watch people interact with the music. Like, last night in Sydney, this – the – the person who was front and center, like just you know, got there early, like was ready for it. He had dance moves, like for every line of every. So I was like watching an interpretive dance. It wow. was crazy, yeah. and like you wouldn't, you can't see that in at, in a huge room or in a festival setting. So I think to me, that's what's great about the intimate shows. But what's great about, you know, festivals and and these bigger gigs, is just it's kind of like trial by fire. You know, people maybe didn't come to see you or probably didn't come to see you if you're not a headliner. So it's sort of like, you know, are you going to convince the person, like, with a slice of pizza to, to stop and watch what you're doing?
0: <laughs> absolutely. And, of course, you will be playing Splendid tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock, to be absolutely super precise. Is there anything special planned for that show tomorrow?
2: Well, I mean, I think at this point the special thing is that we're playing M- much of the new record because um, oh, it's, it's still brand yeah. you know, yeah, really. yeah. you know, yeah. as you mentioned um, yeah
0: how excited are you sort of to see the crowd singing back at you especially the, the new stuff for example uh, in personal song off your record um, this baby don't cry is a bit of a sing along like sort of having that you know that sort of, obviously that song's been out for a little bit longer but still yeah. not been out that long to have you know so many people potentially screaming that back at you
2: I mean it's it's a great feeling <laughs> a, um it's it's pretty wild, especially being outside of, you know, your your home turf, whether that's like a city, country, whatever. Um, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a great feeling because I think, you know, the other element of festivals is that it's sort of this mass catharsis, right? Like everybody's getting together for the express purpose of just sort of like letting go. And when people sing in unison like that or move in unison like that, to me, it's sort of like emblematic of that catharsis and like in a in a non-ego way that's just cool to be a part of to be sort of like a conductor of that for you know a brief moment you've achieved
1: so much success in your career so far fans all around the world festivals plenty of shows sold out three albums in is there a bucket list item that's kind of left on on your mind like you know what i haven't achieved that but that's something i'd love to do
2: well that's a great question um, I feel like next time we come over here, I really we've never played I've been to Japan but we've never played Japan. Oh no. Shit. Um so I would love to do that. I think more than anything it's just traveling to to places that I haven't yet been. I mean, that's sort of the the great reward <laughs> of this job is that you get to yeah, you get to see the world in this in this really unique way and um you know, like what's crazy is that typically when you go visit a place, you're a tourist and you do touristy things, when you're a A touring musician you get to do what local people do so you get you get this like really unique insight into places and I think get this really intimate feel so I'd like to play Japan um I don't know I've never really... I, I kind of did my bucket list thing, which wasn't a huge thing, which was sell out this this venue in San Francisco, which is like where I started. Oh, wow, nice. Kind of a famous venue there. So that did that now. Everything's just gravy. yeah
0: <laughs> Fantastic. So we are going to be playing your track, Sister, just up next. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the track before we play it?
2: Of course. So Sister came about originally... Um, I, I had the idea to write a song about my experience growing up, which was my brother and sister have different biological parents, but we share a dad who adopted me and raised us all. And I always felt kind of apart from them. And I think this is a really common experience in just standard nuclear families, but definitely in blended families. And, you know, I've built really strong relationships with them into adulthood and like, we're great, everything's good, but that feeling kind of never like fully left me. So I started writing a song about that, but it was it was kind of sad and weird and like complicated. And then I ended up in the studio with um Joel Little, who's Kiwi near nearby ish, and um though we were in l a and yeah, the, this song came about, and really, it was sort of the pivot to the celebration of creating family the this idea that like connection is and sisterhood isn't isn't even gendered. It's just about saying like, I want to be close to you. Do you want to be close to me? And this really, um, again, getting back to like, what's the scariest thing to do? Is be vulnerable and hopeful at the same time. So Absolutely. that's kind of the point of this song. And I think like, yeah, it just it just felt good to sing, and it it yeah, we wrote it really quickly, and it was just it was just like a fun kind of little jam.
1: I, I always hear that some of the best songs come together quickly. Would you agree with that?
2: you know i think it's one or the other i think the the best songs in my experience have taken like huge amounts (laughs) of time weirdly to like percolate like there's a song on this record called good news that's sort of in a a weird sense taken six years for me to write um and then the others are like yeah 20 minutes and again it's like that urgency it's like i need to write this
0: absolutely
1: Beautiful. Well, Kay Flea, thank you so much for joining us in the Sin studios. We greatly appreciate it.
2: Of course. Uh, Wish
1: you all the best tonight at The Howler and, of course, your show at Splendour in the Grass tomorrow.
0: So all the best and thanks again for joining us. And we are about to play her track sister from a new album, Solutions. You're listening to Sin.